Thank you, ladies. Please take your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, if you can. Luke chapter 5, we're going to read starting in verse 17. We're going to read all the way down to verse 26. So Luke 5, verse 17 to 26. <clears throat> the Bible says, And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Why don't we pray? And we'll launch out from Luke 5. Dear Lord, do thank you for church on Wednesday night. I thank you for the opportunity to preach. I pray that you would please just use the verses we look at tonight and may encourage us and challenge us um, to live more for you in certain areas of our life. Please, uh, please just bless tonight and uh, just use me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 5, wonderful story. It's a very familiar passage I'm sure that you have read before, maybe have been taught from it before, um, but I just want to, I guess, just draw your attention to what's actually happening. Um, Jesus always, always causes a crowd where, wherever he goes, whenever he's teaching, whenever he's healing, whenever he's doing something, people are always around. And it comes to pass on a certain day, he's doing this, he's teaching, and there are, there are people there, and the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And then these group of guys turn up with the guy that was taken by the palsy, he couldn't walk. And they had him on a couch, on a stretcher. And they probably heard that Jesus was, was nearby. And they said, man, if we could just get this guy to Jesus, we know that Jesus can heal him. And so they grab him by the bed and, and they take him to where Jesus is. They, maybe they asked, where is he? And they might have said, he's down there at that house down there. And down they went. And they were trying to find a way that they could get to Jesus. But as usual, whenever, whenever someone controversial or someone famous, or someone that's doing something out of the ordinary is around, there's always a lot of people. And they couldn't find a way to get to Jesus. So they decided to go up into the top of the house. In Bible times, the houses were often, uh, they often had flat roofs, and people would spend a lot of time, especially during summer. So it, it was accessible. And the Bible says that, um, in verse 19, it says that, um, that they led him down through the tiles of the house. They made a way through the roof, 
and they lowered this man down to where Jesus was. And I'm not sure if that's what you would have done or I'm not sure if that's what I would have done, but these guys were determined to get their friend or this man that was taken with the palsy to Jesus because they believed with all their heart that Jesus could do something for this guy. When Jesus sees this happen, Jesus makes the statement when he says he, he saw their faith, says, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the Pharisees and, and, and the scribes that were there, they were, whoa, hang on, what, what's going on? What are we hearing where that is? This can't be happening. Who can forgive sins but God only? They, they were like, whoa, what is this? This guy's been laid down and Jesus says, man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And then Jesus, perceiving their hearts and, and then reasons with them and says, is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to, rise, or to take thy bed, rise up and walk? He says, but to show the, that, that the Son of Man hath power to forgive sins, he tells the man to rise up and walk. And then the Bible says immediately the man did that, went on his way glorifying God. And I want you to note verse 26 and we're, and we're going to launch out from here. The Bible says they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, now note this, this is the thing that really struck me when I was reading through this. We have seen strange things today. If you were there, you would have seen a strange thing happen. Someone that was had the palsy, couldn't walk, told to take up thy bed and walk, and he did. And the Bible declares that everyone that was there saw it, they feared, and they said, man, we have seen something strange happening today. Men who encountered the working of Jesus are often left wondering how, why, and what just happened. You see this through all throughout the Gospels. Whenever Jesus did something, men marveled. They were amazed at what was happening. And you'll see terms like marveled and astonished. I'm going to take you to two more passages as, as we consider this. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to stay in, in, in Matthew a little bit now, just for a couple of times. Matthew chapter 8. This is a, another very well-known passage. This is where, where Jesus is on a boat. The Bible says, And when he entered into a ship, in verse 23, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Now notice in verse 27, but the men marvelled, saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Pastor mentioned this particular passage on, um, on Sunday night. Jesus did another great miracle, calm the sea, calm the tempest. Men who were experienced as fishermen were frightened that they were going to perish. Jesus was asleep in the boat. He woke up and said, why are you so fearful? He rebuked the winds and said, calm. And they were marvelled. They were, whoa. Just like that other passage, whoa, they didn't say strange things, but it was the same sort of thought, what's happening? What is this? That even the wind and the seas obey him. Jesus worked and acted and people stood back and they had to take note and thought, wow, we haven't seen this before. This is, this is unreal. This is, this is strange. They marveled. Let's have a look in, in Matthew chapter 9, just over the next passage. Matthew, Matthew chapter 9 Verse 32 and verse 33, the Bible says, As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man, possessed with the devil. When the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marvelled, saying, 
It was never so seen in Israel. Here's another instance where Jesus cast out a, a, a devil out of a person that was causing him not to be able to speak. When the devils cast out, the dumb man spake. He was now able to speak. And those that said, whoa, they marveled. Man, we've never seen this before in this place at all. People marvel when, when Jesus does things. You know, people marvel as well when Jesus teaches things. There are many p- different passages in the Bible where Jesus taught him when he was at a younger age. And those that heard were astonished at his doctrine. Let's have a look in Mark chapter 1, verse 22. We could spend our night just looking at the things that Jesus did and go, whoa, this is crazy. Mark chapter 1 and verse... We'll read verse 21 and verse 22. The Bible says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. So here's Jesus. He's not actually doing any miracles now, but he's now teaching. And they were astonished at his doctrine. There's that word astonished. They're like, whoa. For he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. When Jesus did miracles, people stood back and went, we haven't seen this before. This is amazing. This is strange. And now we have instances where Jesus is teaching and teaching doctrine and teaching the authority of the word of God. The Bible says there that people were astonished when they heard the things of God. Let's have a look in in the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 and verse 32. Verse 31. Similar passage. And he came down to Capernaum in the city of Galilee and taught them on the Sabbath days. Again, they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. They never had experienced this before. So when Jesus did things, people marveled. People were astonished. People saw strange things. When they heard what Jesus did, they marveled. They were astonished at the things that Jesus taught because it was so different than what they had before. The teachings were different. He spoke as one with power. He spoke as one with authority. They'd never seen that before. So in reality, people were hearing and seeing things that Jesus did and taught that they'd never experienced before. And those things, because of who Jesus was, and because of what he could do and, and because of what he could teach, people marveled because it was foreign to them. It was now strange, but they, it, it, it wasn't so much like this is, this is too scary, but it was like, to me, it was like, they, it was like that, that they stood back and just were astonished and marveled and thought, man, this is great. This is amazing. We see something we've never seen before. We're, we're hearing things we've never been taught before. And it caused an amazing reaction in them. This is awesome because it demonstrates God's power, God's power and shows us uh, Jesus having authority in what he teaches, authority over the elements, and it really shows that he really was the son of God. That's good, but what can we learn from this today? Or how can we apply this, this thought today? And I was thinking about that. And did you know that because the Holy Spirit lives within us, did you know we can have that same reaction towards we can live a way that can cause the same reaction in other people. You'll understand in a minute why I say that. When Jesus, when Jesus did things, people marveled. When Jesus taught things, people marveled. That same Jesus saved us. We have the Holy Spirit. If we live, people should marvel. Not at how good we are, but at the working of God through our lives. And we're going to have a look at three instances where people 
um, where people marveled at, at certain things that people did. Jesus is one of them, and there are a couple others as well, where people looking at the actions and the things that people did, they couldn't help but stop and take notice that there was something different about them by their actions and by what they did. And I hope these three things can help you tonight. Let's have a look in Mark chapter 15. You're in Luke, hopefully. Just jump back to Mark. Mark 15. We're going to read a couple of verses here. Our key thought is going to be in verse 5. We're going to read from verse 1. This is where Jesus is before Pilate. The Bible says, And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. So Jesus has now been uh, delivered unto Pilate because of the things he's doing, the things he's been teaching. And now he's before Pilate. And Pilate asked him and said, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering and said, Thou sayest it. That's pretty much the only thing Jesus ever says in this, in this particular instance. Three words, Thou sayest it. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? You're not saying anything? Behold, how many things that they witnessed against thee. In verse 5, But Jesus answered nothing, so that Pilate marvelled. Did you know, some people will marvel when we keep silence. Some people will marvel when we keep silence. I believe Jesus learned to keep silent at certain times. Often you'll find Jesus didn't say things. Jesus perceived people's hearts. Sometimes he answered them. Sometimes he said things. But there were times when Jesus had learned to keep silent. So it was better to stay silent. Notice in this particular instance, Pilate says, the, chief priest, the Bible says, the chief priest accused him of many things. The Bible says he answered nothing. And even Pilate said to him, hey, can't you see all the different things that they're accusing you of? And you're not going to say anything? When was the last time you were accused of something and you didn't say anything? I tell you, if, if someone has a go at me, or my family, or my job, or, or my pet, or whatever else, or my hair, or my weight, man, I want to say something because... My name is being ruined, or someone's having to go at me, or someone's having to go at my family. Man, I'm not going to keep silent. I, I want to say something. It's a, it's a natural tendency to want to retaliate. If you're being accused of something that, you've, that, you, that you have done something wrong and you know you didn't do it, man, the last thing you want to do is just sit back and just say, let that person think, I've done this thing. I want to get in there and say, no, it wasn't me. It was Brother Josh. Bro, bro you did it. I saw you. Sorry. He's learned to keep silent. He's better than me. But I would, want, I would want to defend my name because that's who we are. And I think you would too. If I accused you of something and you know you didn't do it, you'd want to say, hey, but what's going on? Why, why do you say I did that? I wasn't even there. Jesus could have said, hey, you guys are all wrong. This is the truth. And he could have again spoke with authority like they've never heard before. He could have done a great miracle to, I guess, to close their mouths so they could never say anything again. But Jesus chose to stay silent. And when he did that, Pilate marveled and went, man, you're not even going to say anything. Man, I'm sure Pilate's probably thinking in his mind, if that was me, man, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be giving these guys a stripping down. But Jesus said nothing and Pilate marveled. 
I think about when the Bible talks about at different places, like in Matthew 12, where people conspired against Jesus. When they purposely got together to try and destroy him, to try and put him out of business once and for all. In that passage in, in, in Matthew chapter 9, I do want to read it because I, it, it is quite interesting how Jesus responded. In Matthew chapter, sorry, in, in Matthew chapter 12, sorry, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 9. We read verse 9, And when he was departed thence, he went, into the synagogue, he went into the synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand, with, hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that, how shall, that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and, and, and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath days? Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like the others. Then the Pharisees went out, and here they go, and held a council against him that they might destroy him. So here they are, and Jesus, knowing this, then notice what verse 15 says. But when he knew it, he withdrew himself from thence. And great multitudes followed him and healed them all. And, and he healed them all. But verse 15, when Jesus knew that they held counsel against to destroy him. Man, if I had, if I had knowledge that, that you guys were going to destroy me because you were jealous of my preaching style, man, I, I wouldn't be departing. I'd be saying, let's go. But Jesus didn't. Jesus kept silence. He, he knew what was about to happen. And instead of confronting them like he could have done because he's God, decided just to depart quietly and kept his silence. Jesus had learned to do this. What about... When Jesus was beaten and mocked, put on the cross, he could have quite easily just spoken, come down from the cross and destroyed them all. But Jesus often said nothing. Don't you think Jesus had every right to say something? I think so. Because of who he is and what he went through, he had every right to say something. I want to encourage you tonight, just because you have the right to say something doesn't always mean that you should. I think that's a sign of maturity that, that when we have the opportunity to maybe say something because it's within our right to, sometimes, and obviously it's with God's leading, sometimes it's better just to say nothing. People will marvel at your silence. I believe the Bible teaches us that if we keep silent sometimes, it's going to keep us from many hurts. If we look in James chapter 3, verse 4 to 8, the Bible describes that our tongue or our mouth as, as, as an unruly evil, it, it sets on fire. It's, it's dead, full of deadly poison. We can't tame it. And if we don't learn to keep silent sometimes, we're going to end up with a lot of hurts. Sometimes we can be most effective for Jesus when we learn to control our tongue. You think about it when you're trying to witness and you're trying to hand out a tract or you're trying to live right and, and the world mocks you and the, and the world has a go at you and the world makes fun of you and you're feeling a little bit hurt inside and, and, and you're feeling like, this is just not fair. I, the way they're treating me, I don't deserve that. And sometimes we want to react, but sometimes when we keep silence and they keep going and we don't react and we don't react, I believe sometimes God uses that. In the back of their mind, they're thinking, man, we can't even get this guy riled up. We try and we try and we try, yet he keeps his silence. And just like Pilate, 
I believe sometimes people just marvel that we don't react like they would. And the very fact that we keep silence is a very great effective tool for the Lord Jesus Christ. So when I, when I started, because Holy Spirit lives within, people should marvel at us, not because we're better looking than them, not because we have more money than them, not because we know more than them, but, but because the life we're living is different to them. Remember the reason why they marveled in the first place, because Jesus did things that they've never seen before. He taught things that they've never heard before. And we can actually live the, a life that they've never seen before. And people should marvel at the way we live. So some marvel at, at silence, some marvel at faith. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. This is the story of the centurion servant who was being healed. I'm going to read in verse 5. The Bible says, And when Jesus was entered in Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Here's another, here's another person that's got the, has, that has the palsy. And Jesus saith unto him, Hey, I'll come and I'll heal him. Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. He goes on to explain because he's a man under, author uh, man under authority, having soldiers. He commands and they do this and they do that. Verse 10 says, and when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, verily son to you, I've not found so great faith, no not in Israel. So Jesus uh, had never seen this sort of faith before. Son to you that man shall come from the east and west, shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of, he kingdom of heaven, but the, but the children of kingdoms shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou believest, so it be done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that selfsame hour. But notice with me, um, Verse, verse 10. The Bible says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, and so forth. But when Jesus saw what this man was doing and heard what he said, Jesus marveled. We have a man that, that had a, who, who had a servant. He was, he was a centurion. He was a man with authority. One of his servants was sick with the palsy. And he came to Jesus and said, Hey, listen, I've got someone who is sick. I know you can do something about it. That's why I've come to you. And Jesus did the right thing. Hey, let's go. I'll go and heal him. But this man said, listen, you don't need to do that. I'm not really not worthy to do that. Listen, I know what it's like to be an authority. If I command something, it gets done. All you have to do is say the word and my servant's going to be healed. And the Bible says when Jesus heard this in verse 10, when he heard what this man had said, he, Jesus marveled. Whoa, I've never seen this sort of faith before. People come to me all the time wanting to be healed. They know I can do it, but just this man believes if I just say the words, his servant will be healed. Wow, even it marveled, it made Jesus marvel that by this man's faith, it caused him to go, I've never seen this before. This is unbelievable. I'm going to do this. And the Bible says Jesus did. But the fact that he acted in faith made even Jesus marvel. I wonder what you put your confidence in. I wonder what causes you to act. In this particular instance, 
The man put his faith in what Jesus could do. Insomuch that his confidence was so much in, in, in what Jesus could do, he just said, just speak, Lord. If you say the words, it's, it's going to be done. I wonder if our faith is bound by what we think is only possible. I think sometimes we live, we, we say we live in faith, but it's bound by what we think is possible, not what God thinks is possible. This man could have said, listen, Jesus, I'd, I'd really like you to come and heal my servant. And Jesus would have done that. He said he was going to do that. But the very fact that, that he knew Jesus didn't have to come, he just needed to speak. He's, he may have heard. He may have even witnessed on other occasions Jesus doing miracles, knowing if Jesus is present, if Jesus touches, if Jesus does whatever he does. I've seen people get healed maybe. And he could have expected Jesus to come and do that. But his faith was so much in what Jesus could do, he just said, speak the words and I know it will be done. I know it can happen. And I wonder tonight where our faith lies. Do we believe in Jesus so much that it's only in the realm that we can see is possible? Or do we believe in the impossible can happen? And I think, even with my life, we're human beings and we're flesh and it's, sometimes it's hard to believe upon the realms of what's already happened. But if we believe in God, I believe God can do anything. We serve a God of the impossible. Faith puts confidence in what God can do, not what we think God might do. Faith puts action in our belief. Notice, he did believe that Jesus could do anything, but notice that his belief allowed him to take steps to find Jesus. He probably heard Jesus was around, but he could have thought at home with his servant, he could have thought, well, I hope, hope Jesus comes by my way. I'll just wait here in, in case he comes by my house. But he didn't. He took steps to find Jesus. And when he found where Jesus was, he came right up and said, hey, I've got a servant who's sick with the palsy. I want you to do something about it. I believe you can. His faith took action and his action um, was evidence in his steps to find the Lord Jesus and to come to the one who could really only do anything and boom, it was done. Does your faith work out in action? The Bible says in James chapter 2 that our faith without works is dead. If you say you have faith in God and yet do nothing, then what you say about your faith is really dead. Our faith needs to have action. It needs to be worked out in our living. And I believe when we do that, when we act in faith and we action out our faith, we see in this sense that it unleashes the power of God. And if you want the power of God in, in your ministry and in your life and in, in, in your workplace and in your family, then act in faith. Believe what God can do. When he says something in the Bible he will act on something or can do something, believe it and unleash the power of God in your life. This man's faith was so great that even Jesus himself thought, man, I've never seen this. Again, Jesus was used to seeing people just come to get healed and using Jesus for their own advantage. And, but here's a man who just says, I believe you can do this. And I know you've, you've said you want to come to my house, but just say it and I believe it. And Jesus, and Jesus stood back and went, I've never seen this before. And if we act in faith, the world will say, there is something different about this person. What is it? I can't put my finger on it, but this guy just, he, he lives the way he says he's going to live and he says he's going to help me. And he, guess what? He came and helped me. I can't believe it. I don't, he says he's 
going to pray for me and something really marvellous happened in my life after he prayed for me. I don't understand this. What's going on? Some will marvel at our faith. And then the third thing, let's have a look in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We're going to read verse. Oh, wrong, wrong chapter. Whoops, over here. All right. Acts chapter 4. We're going to read. We'll start reading in. Um, let's start in verse 5. This is the last passage. Yes. Acts chapter 5, and it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest, Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and as many of, and as many were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the blood, sorry, of the good deed, done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is a stone which, which is set at naught of you builders, which he became the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And notice verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marvelled. Whoa! Marvelled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I want to encourage you tonight that spending time with Jesus is one of the most vital things in your Christian life. Because when you spend time with Jesus, you don't have to be a great orator you don't have to be a great Bible scholar. You don't have to be the greatest educated man. But if you spend time with Jesus and allow Jesus to outlive through your life, people will marvel and say, this, this, this guy spends time with Jesus. It's going to be evident in your life that you spend time with Jesus. The Bible says that they they'd perceive that these were unlearned and ignorant men. Sounds like a lot of us men here tonight, we're unlearned and ignorant. But people could tell that they had been with Jesus. The, the, the disciples spoke with boldness because of the influence of Christ in their life. Even though they were classed unlearned and ignorant men, God seemed to choose those people to do the most work. God seemed to use those people to influence others. And I want to encourage you tonight, if you want to be used of God, spend time with Jesus. People will notice the difference and as I said, you don't have to be the greatest spiritual leader in the world, but if you spend time with Jesus and allow him to work through your life as you live out, God will, God will vindicate that. God will bless that. And people will say there is something different about you. I stand before you tonight not saying we need to make people look at us and marvel at because we're great. But people should notice there's a difference in you because they're seeing the Christ that lives within you. I wonder what our lives really reflect about Christ. Do people see any difference in the way we live? Do people see a difference between you and them? Do they see a, a, a Christ-likeness in you? 
If they don't, then I encourage you tonight to consider these things. There's, there's a lot in this, or there's a bit in this, there's a bit of everything for everybody here tonight. If you struggle with keeping silent, then you need to work on that. If you struggle by not walking in faith and not believing God can do more than he is, work on that. If you struggle spending time with Jesus, then, hey, a lot of this is just fundamental, but um, I struggle with it all. I struggle keeping silent. I struggle with acting in faith. I struggle spending as more time with Jesus as, uh, than I really should. But this is the key to having Christ being reflected through our lives. We don't, we don't set out in life to make people astonished at us, but when we do live for Christ, it just happens naturally. Because we see in the Bible when people did these things, people marvelled, including Christ himself, that, wow, these people are different. People marvelled when, when Jesus taught. People marvelled when Jesus did miracles. Pilate marvelled when, when Jesus kept silent. This, Jesus marvelled when, when the centurion just said, speak the word and it'll be done. And then others saw the boldness of Peter and John and because they'd been spending time with Jesus, they could tell. It was different than, than what they'd ever seen or heard before. And I hope that's a blessing and encouragement to you tonight. We're going to pray and then we're going to ask Brother Pete to come up and give a, a missionary announcement and then he'll speak about the prayer request. Dear Lord, thank you for um, church. Thank you for uh, the word of God and the verses we've been able to read. Pray that it might be a, uh, a blessing and a help an encouragement to those that are here tonight. Um, I do pray that you would uh, be the one that speaks and, and not me. And I just pray that you would just um, bless the rest of the week, help pastor and the staff as they're away and just help and encourage them as they uh, look to plan things out for the rest of the year. And I pray you just give everyone a great week and a blessed week and please use us, help us and to, to, be, to be more like you and use us to, to be a blessing to someone this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.